it was the scariest, um, most difficult, confusing, exciting, most wonderful day of my life. I mean, <laughs> I mean, when you when you realize that God is allowing you to be a father, I, I don't. I don't know what to compare that to, you know. And then, on top of that, when you, when it, when it seems that he's deemed you fit to be the stepfather to his son, that's a, that's overwhelming. Um, he's a he's perfectly healthy, happy baby boy that. Um, came into the world, I guess, just like most every other kid, you know. Um, I, I get why they call it labor. <laughs> I, I mean, since I was 12, I've worked every day of my life, but I, I've never worked as hard as Mary worked that night. She was, she was amazing. And then not just that night, I mean, through all of it, through, through the months of people talking about us behind our back and um, the week-long journey to Bethlehem. And then, and then we get there and she, she, she takes an ordinary feeding trough and, uh, and turns it into a cradle. And none of it seemed to phase her. She's amazing. And you know what? Through, through all of it, I never heard her once ask why. Why? You know, she just... She just did everything God asked her to do. And if she didn't understand why things happened, she knew God was in control. She just... She, she, she followed His will. I, I get... I get it. Man, I get why God chose her. I really do. What I don't understand is why he chose me. If you've ever been used by God, you you wonder that as well. Why would he choose me? With my past, with your past... Only a God of infinite power can take messed up lives and and make them reflect his glory to a lost world. Today we're in the second week of our series, um, Fear Not, and we're looking at at three different stories in the Bible when an angel showed up to announce the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ, and one of the first things they said, help me out, was what? Fear Not, the title of of our sermon series. Last week, we looked at when the angel appeared to Mary, and we let her story help us understand how we're supposed to react when we're afraid of what God asks us to do, because God's plans are not our plans. And so we looked at her story, and and she helped us there. Next week, we're going to look at the the, the Sunday before Christmas, we're going to look at when the angel appeared to the shepherds, and he said, behold, he said, fear not, behold, I bring you glad tidings of good, uh, good tidings of glad joy. I don't remember how it says it. For today is born to you 
in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. We're going to look at that one next week. And then on Christmas Eve, we're going to look at, at a final story and we're going to have a great time on that day. Today, if you have your Bibles or if you have your smartphone and you have the Version app on there, you can look up to Matthew chapter one. We're going to look at when the angel appeared to Joseph and Joseph had to make a choice. Was he going to do what God wanted him to do or was he going to do what people wanted him to do? We're going to talk about how do we overcome the fear of what people think about us. Now, how many of you um, would say that, that you moderately care what people think about you or you, kind, you would admit, I really care what people think about me? Let me see your hands. Hold them up and leave them there for just a second. Now, with your, with your telekinetic in energy, look at the people whose hands are not up and say, you're really, really afraid of what I think of you. That's why you're not raising your hand right now. Maybe that's it, I don't know. But we have to admit at one level or another, all of us care what others think. Do you like the car I drive? Do you like the clothes I wear? Do you like my hairstyle? Do you like that I don't have hair? And it, Thank you. Michael, someone with hair. Uh, we, we, we won't even get in there. I don't have time for that today, but we'll do it another time. Do you think I'm funny? Do I fit in? Do you like my Instagram selfie? Do you like my duck lips? Now, that will be the only time in the history of the world that I ever do duck lips because duck lips are from the pit of hell. They're not, they are not attractive ever. We, we become obsessed with what people think about us. I don't know who did it. Somebody started it and somebody goes, that looks attractive and, and it's not ever. If you're looking for a husband, don't do it. Now, in this week's story, we're going we're gonna to see Joseph battle with what people think, the opinions of people. And he has to decide, am I going to do the easy thing or am I going to do the right thing? Am I going to do what people want me to do or am I going to want do what God wants me to do? Now, let me give you a little background. Joseph is in, engaged to Mary. Probably everybody here knew that. But what you didn't know was engagement back then in that culture was very, very different than ours. Um, in, in this time in history, you you would be pledged to someone for a year's time and they would actually consider you married even though you didn't move in together for a year. This was kind of a preparation time where they, they watched to see if you were pure, if you were gonna, if you were gonna honor the marriage and, and, and all of these things. And so the only way you got out of engagement, now today, today it's not a big deal. If things go weird in an engagement, you just break it off. In fact, my dad, when he was walking my sister down the aisle, this was back in 1978, dad says, there's a side door right there. I got 2,000 dollars in my pocket. If you'll take it right now, let's head out the door. And, and I told my girls I was going to do that. And, and I think Hannah said, no, it's going to take about 30,000 for me to walk out the door. And I, and I said, no, um, well, I might, I might, I might. And, and the only time things get weird is with the ring. You know, if you spent thousands of dollars on the ring, you know, some guys are like, oh no, you keep it. I bought it for you. If we break off the engagement, I'm like, give me that stuff back. If, if the next girl doesn't know, I might try to pawn it off on her, but, but at least I'm going to trade it in because I got a trade-in value. I did. When I bought the thing, they said, you can always come in here and trade it in. I told Janie, I said, someday I can buy you a bigger ring. She goes, why would I want that? I, said, I don't know. I thought it was like a car. After a while, you trade that sucker in. Back in those days, though, if you wanted, there's only two ways to get out of an engagement. You had to file for divorce or you had to die. And it was so serious that if one of you died during the engagement period, the other person, the surviving person, was considered a widow or widower. 
a little bit different than our idea of engagement. And so with that as the background, let's pick it up in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now last week I told you that, that you know, in, in our day, Mary would have texted him, hey dude, I'm pregnant and, you know, I've got good news and bad news. Um, that would be the modern version. And, and by the way, I, I tell you, if you want to talk to me about something, don't email me, don't text me, because I'm probably not going to respond. If I do respond, I'll say, this is a matter we need to talk about in, in person. And I don't think she ran by, you know, or, or, or pedaled her little bicycle by and threw a paper airplane in the window. Hey, Joe, I'm pregnant. No, I don't, I think this was a sit down deal, but you got to admit that this would be a strange conversation. Uh, Joey, Joey, I've got good news and I've got bad news. Good news, I'm pregnant. Bad news, it's not yours. Good news is I'm I'm pregnant with God's son. I'm pregnant by the the baby daddy's the Holy Spirit. Yay. Bad news is ain't nobody going to believe this story. Mm -mm. It's just not going to happen. And and if you're Joseph, you got to admit, you're thinking, how long did it take you to come up with this story? Because it never happened before in history. Never happened. It won't happen again. This was the first time. And so he's, he's, probably, he's probably thinking, you know, I saw the way that guy looked at you at the well the other day. And I know your sister. She gets on that farmersonly.com. And, I, and I'm, Holy Spirit, really? You're, you're expecting me to believe that trash? And from a human perspective, now you got to understand this, because this is, you may think that, that Mary and Joseph were different, but they're not. I think most people in this room would say, I believe that God divinely made Mary pregnant with the Holy Spirit. I think most people here would believe that. But what you don't believe is when you've got a problem in your life, you really don't believe that God can handle it. Well, yeah, God can't heal my marriage. Yeah, he can make it, he can make a, virgin girl pregnant, but he doesn't, he can raise Jesus from the dead, but he can't, I mean, right, practically. So from a human standpoint, they may have said, oh yeah, God can do this. But from a human standpoint, really he had two options. Joseph had two things that were probably going through his mind. She's either, this chick is crazy or she's a liar. And he's thinking, I don't want to marry a crazy lying chick. Now, if you've done that, God bless your soul and we'll pray for you. Don't look at her. Don't think it because that's just, I'm sorry. The engagement and dating, that's when you find out if she's a crazy lying chick or dude. It doesn't matter. Just get her, run away. All right. But he, he decides he's, well, actually he decides he's going to bail because from her perspective, she's, she's marked. I mean, when you get pregnant, you can't hide that stuff. There's all kinds of maternity. There weren't maternity clothes back then. She couldn't hide it. And during this time to be pregnant out of wedlock was, was a, an offense that you could be killed for. It was, it was a capital punishment offense. From his perspective, he may have find, found it hard to, to get work, you know, jobs from people. Um, if, if he's the one that got her pregnant, then he had that reputation. And if he married somebody that was already pregnant from someone else, then they had the different reputation. And if he divorces her, then at that point, what dad is going to give him a blessing in the future and say, oh, yeah, I want my daughter to marry you, a divorced man. I mean, you got to think about all this stuff. And he might find it difficult to even do business with people because he takes his donkey in for an oil change and they say, we don't serve those kind of donkeys around here, right? Because everybody was going to know his business. And we don't know his state of mind, but we know this. The text tells us that he was about to bail on the relationship. We don't know if he didn't believe her or he thought she was crazy. We don't know, but he was about to bail. Look at verse 19. 
Because Joseph, her husband, because they already considered him husband and wife, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to do what? Say it with me. Divorce her quietly. Because it, it took a divorce to get out of this. And many commentators believe that, that Joseph was a righteous man. By wanting to do this quietly, he was a righteous man. And from a human perspective, I totally agree with him. He's thinking, you know, I think he loved her and he said, I don't want to ridicule her. I don't want to slap her on Facebook and put those names under there and say she did this and she did this. I, he didn't want to do that. He wanted to let her go somewhere and have this child and start over. And he wanted to start over as best he could. But he's about to learn one of the greatest lessons, one of the most important lessons you can learn if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And here it is. If you're following on your listening guide or on version, pleasing God often means disappointing people. Pleasing God often means disappointing people. There'll be many times when other people will not agree with you. They'll say, you're crazy. They'll not understand. Look at verse 20 and 21. As he considered this, now Joseph is thinking through his options. He's considering divorce because he's got to to let her go. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, now in the King James Version, it says, fear not. That's where we got our, our sermon series title. But in the New Living, it says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus. Why? Say this with me. For he will save his people from their sins. That's really what Jesus means, the name. Now, when he wakes from the dream, you can imagine he's kind of on this pendulum swing of emotions because he's a good Jew and every good Jew had memorized the Old Testament. If they didn't have it all memorized, they knew a good chunk of it because they didn't have Bibles like we did. They certainly didn't have smartphones that they would have their Bible on. They would know it. And he knew for hundreds and hundreds of years, the Messiah had been prophesied and this angel shows up and says, you get to be a part of the greatest story in history. And he's going, all right. And don't you know, Satan was throwing the what ifs at him. What if my parents find out about this? What if this is going to cost me my reputation? What if... What if I get to change the world on this hand, but what if it's harder than I thought it was going to be? What if every one of my friends and family says, run away from her, she's a harlot, because that's what everybody was going to think, because she's a crazy lying chick. What if, what if, what if? And so he he comes to this point, and he has to decide, am I going to do what God wants, or am I going to do what all the people in my life will tell me? And and I'm I'm going to promise you, if you're a follower of Jesus, if if you haven't faced this yet, you will. There will, become, there will come times in your life when God says, go this way, and everyone around you is going to say, you're crazy, don't do it, go the other way. And the only thing you hear is this still small voice saying, are you going to follow me, or are you going to please everybody else? Now, this matters because, this is on your listening guide, becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. Becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. The harsh reality is most of us drift. If we're going to drift one way, we're going to drift towards what people think. We don't ever drift towards a a deeper relationship with God. That's an intentional decision if you want to get close to God. You don't have to make an an intentional decision to please people. That's why it's called the easy way. It's going with the flow. To please God, you have to go against the flow. Suddenly, without even realizing it, you turn your backs you're on God and you follow people. What do you think of me? Do you like me? Do I fit in? Do I measure up? Am I, am I cool enough? Do you like what I'm doing? Can I be part of your club? Can we be friends? Do you think I'm doing the right thing? Now, most of you here don't want to do that. So the good news is the opposite is also true. 
Becoming obsessed with what God thinks about you is the quickest way to forget what people think about you. And that's an intentional decision. Becoming obsessed with what God thinks about you is the quickest way to forget what people think about you. Saying, God, I want to please you and I want to please you with everything that I do is the quickest way to turn your back on the approval of others. Because the bottom line is, I don't know if you've discovered this, but you can't please everybody, right? Get your hair cut. And one group says, oh, you look cool. And the other group says, that's ugly and makes you look fat. Someone says, well, I like this type of music. And if you're over here, you know, I like country. And over here, all the country people are like, yeah, country. The boys around here (laughs) drinking something. Um, And people over here go, oh, I love country. I am a rock and roll dude. I grew up on Foreigner in Boston. Oh, yeah. That's why we have loud music. That's a spiritual reason. <laughs> I want music to have a beat. And, and music moves me. And if you like electric guitar and loud thumping bass, then you're going to heaven with me. No, that's heretical what I just said. But you understand, so people are like, some of you are like, yeah, we like rock and roll. And every time I talk trash about country, man, somebody writes on there, I can't believe you're talking trash about country. <laughs> Quit playing, what is that, steel guitar trash? Uh, I don't, I know, my daughter loves it. I, don't, I got a daughter that loves hip hop and I got a daughter that loves, loves uh, country. And I'm going, all we listened to was Boston. Anyway, (laughs) have you realized you can't please everybody? Because if you, even politically, well, I want to be over here. I want to be over here. There's people going to like you and these people. And so some people say, well, I'm just going to stand in the middle. And then then everybody hates you. Both sides hate you because you can't please everybody. And so uh, no matter how hard you try, the good news though is you can please God. You can't please everybody, but you can please God. You can live a life where when you stand before God, he says, you honored my name. You did what was right. Well done, good and faithful servant. It's what keeps me going. When Christians throw rocks at me. Because from the beginning of the church, non-Christians have never thrown rocks at our church. It's only been Christians. And, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to please Christians. Please understand what I'm saying. But I find it unacceptable that anyone goes to hell. And so we want to build a church where anybody can walk in and at any time they can hear something that moves them and they give their hearts and their lives to Christ. And if that means that Christ followers don't like it and go somewhere else, see you in heaven. I'm not going to change because this is what God called me to do. And I'm, I'm going to stand before him. And, and you're not going to stand with me. I'm not going to stand with you. I want to hear God say, good job. Now, let me tell you a couple of things. And, and if you want to live a life for God and not for people, here's what you, you have to understand these two things. Number one, you got to understand if you're not ready to be criticized for your obedience to God, you're not bet- ready to be used by God. Did you get that? If you're not ready to be criticized for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. Now, I'm going to say this again and again because I have a feeling that I'm preaching way better than you're responding because somebody should be moved by the truth of this statement. Really? Y'all making me work for it. Somebody say, that's right. Thank you. We can move on. 
I want you to think about all the ways that Joseph and Mary would be criticized for following God. Publicly, everywhere they went, they'd whisper, you don't, they said the Holy Spirit. We saw his donkey parked outside her apartment at 2 a.m. They weren't having Bible study. There was probably laying hand, laying on hands and speaking in tongues, but it wasn't spiritual gifts and prayer, right? That's what people do. They see you and they throw all kinds of trash out there. And I don't know how it's going to play out in your life, but there's going to come a time where when you're reading God's word, God's word is going to tell you to do something that is culturally unpopular. You want to know how I know that? Because everything in God's word is culturally unpopular. And if if God tells you to do it and you obey it, you will be criticized. It's just going to happen. Somebody says, I'm going to serve Christ. I'm not going to get drunk. I'm, I'm not going to do drugs. And all your party friends are like, are you a nut job? You're one of those religious nut jobs, right? Or you say, you know what, no matter what's happened in my past, I'm going to be sexually pure from now on. Because we believe, we believe scripture teaches that sex in marriage, yay, sex in marriage is a good thing. Sex out of marriage is a bad thing. And it's okay when when people say we're going to stay pure and, and we believe that sex in marriage, you're still pure. Live it up. Sex is a good thing created by God for marriage. It's like a fire in a fireplace. Fire in a fireplace, yay! Fire gets out of the fireplace, run! It destroys things. And everybody, I'm, everybody I know who has sex outside of marriage, it destroys things. Because it was never intended by your heavenly father for outside of the marriage. And when you take that stand, people are going to say, you're a nutcase. Do you know what century we live in? When uh, I played baseball from the, back when I was young, the, the first time you could be in baseball was eight years old. And so I played baseball from then on. In our youth camp, when I got into youth age, our youth camp every year was in the hills of Arkansas. And it was the first week after school was out. So usually school was out at the end of May. And then the first week of June, there was uh, youth camp. And so we would leave on Monday, we would get back on Friday, and we would go to the hills of Arkansas, and we'd have a great time. Well, and when I was playing baseball, every year there would be two ball games because you played two ball games a week come hell or high water. If it, if it rained, then you played three the next week and you always played two games. So every time I would get on a team, I would say to my coach, coach, you need to know that the first week in June, I'm going to youth camp. And they'd say, why'd you want to do that? And I said, cause, cause I like God and I like to, I like to go to youth camp. And they said, you know, you might cost us the championship. And I said, too bad. I'm going. Kids on the team would give me a hard time. Why are you going? You should stay and play baseball. And I said, no, now, the first year I got in senior little league, that's 13 to 15-year-olds, we lost every game. So I'm like, see, y'all didn't need me. Y'all, I, you could have lost with me here. The next two years, we went undefeated. And, and, and I said, see? And, and people hammered me for going to youth camp. And I said, I'm going to youth camp because I just believe that's where God wants me to go. When I got out of college, I went to downtown Dallas and had a, a job at Power Computing, and I worked the, the night shift, 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., and one night, it was a flurry of activity because we had to do end-of-day billing, and so we'd get in at 11, from, from really to 11 till about 12.30 a.m., it was crazy. We're doing all this stuff, recording all this stuff because we had to do end-of-day billing. About 1 a.m., it just kind of shut down because the only people on, on the planet that, that came into our building, that, that logged into our building, were the Germans, and, and, and they spoke. German. And so they'd say, Guten Morgen. And I, I could say, Guten Morgen. That means good morning. And then they would tell me what they needed and I would put it on there. So, and then you, from like 1 a.m. till 5, nothing would go on. It was boring. 
So one night, this, uh, this security guard comes back, and it's me and him, and it's, it's two other ladies that I worked with, and then there was somebody on the other side of the computer floor, and they came over. So there's like five of us there, and we're just talking about our lives, and all of a sudden, this dude starts talking about this girl that he's going out with that he's having sex with, and, and I'm, I'm going, this is really weird. There's men and women here, and you're talking about having sex, and in the middle of the conversation, he leans over, and he hits me, and he goes, you know what I'm talking about, Doug? And, and as God is my witness, before I could even think, I go, nope. He goes, what? He goes, you've had sex, right? In front of the... I said, no. What? And all the air went out of the room. And uh, I was like, not only have I not had sex, I'm going to marry a girl who hadn't had sex. And my boss looked at me. She goes, good luck with finding one. I did. She's had sex now, but when we got married, she hadn't had sex, all right? I'm just saying. And from that moment on, anytime, because they, they talked about all kinds of raunchy stuff. I'm sorry <laughs> if that offends you. We're, we're, I'm not a priest in the Catholic Church. We can, ha- we can get married. One of the reasons I chose this path... Uh, every time they wanted to talk about things like that because these people were all into psychics they were all into palm reading they were all into this stuff my boss would send me off the floor send me to do errands somewhere else so that they could talk about this stuff and I'd come back and and I'd say what were y'all talking about she goes you don't want to know and I said I already know what you were talking about and she said yeah we just we don't want to talk about that stuff when you're around because we know you don't believe it and, and you kind of make us feel uncomfortable and I said, okay. If you want to make a difference in this world, you're going to endure more pain and more criticism than, than anyone else. If you want to make a difference for Jesus Christ. Now, if you want to live a life where nobody criticizes you, let me tell you what you do. Do nothing. Take a stand for nothing. Nobody will criticize you. But I've just never been one of those guys. I'd rather take some bullets for doing something that matters than to be one of those guys that just goes with the flow. I can't do it. So if you're ready to be used, be ready to be shot at. Now, here's some good news. Second thing is you need to understand, extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. This is big. Extraordinary acts of God usually start with ordinary acts of obedience. Example, Joseph and Mary. We know Mary was probably a teenager. Joseph may have been a teenager as well. The savior of the world was born when two teenage kids said, okay, we'll do it your way. Because think, what did the angel say? The angel said, you're going to have a son. You're going to name him Jesus. He's going to save people. That's all the details they got. I mean, don't you think, how are we going to discipline him? I mean, he's the perfect son of God. Do we spank him? Do we put him in timeout? Is he going to spank us and put us in timeout? We don't know what's going on here because nobody's ever raised the savior of the world, right? No details. And you're going to face times when you say to God, God, I need some more details. And God's going to say, no, you can't handle the details because if I told you everything that you were going to go through, you'd bail. In the Old Testament, when the Israelites were going to go into the promised land, do you know when God told them how they were going to conquer Jericho? It was after they crossed the Jordan River at flood stage, 
And then God lets the water flood again. So they're over in enemy territory, the the promised land. And then God tells them how they're going to win Jericho. And then God, as they obey, God shows them how they're going to get the whole land. Somebody said, what are we going to do with 38 acres? I don't know. God's not going to tell us everything until we buy it. Why would he tell us what to do with 38 acres if we're not obedient to buy it in the first place? That's a waste of time. And God doesn't waste his time on disobedient people. I don't know what we're doing with 38 acres. I just want to find out. Because we're dreaming and we believe that once we're obedient, God's going to show us some incredible things to do with this land behind us. One of the coolest things is we get this land, but we also get this road over here. We can block off this dirt road. You know what we've been concerned about ever since we built the building? All of our air conditioners are on that side. It'd be real easy for somebody to come over there. I shouldn't say it. (laughs) I'm hoping nobody that listens to this will steal the copper from our air conditioners. (laughs) But when we buy that, we can block off that road and we can only open it when we want to. We can have whatever we want to back there. It's going to be a blast and God's going to show us after we're obedient. Mary and Joseph didn't have the details and you don't have to have all the details to put the first piece of the puzzle in the puzzle. You remember last week I said that, that the outcome is whose responsibility? God's. Our responsibility is obedience. Outcome of everything we do as a church is God's responsibility if we're being obedient to him. Our job is to obey and let God show us what's going to happen next. You have no idea what you put in motion when you're obedient to a single act of something. Do you know when I felt like God was calling me to ministry? It was in the hills of Arkansas at youth camp. 34 years ago, I felt like God was calling me to ministry. I had no idea. I didn't even know there was a Palestine, and I would have said Palestine if I'd seen it on the map, right? And you get corrected real quickly. So in my senior year, God began to prepare me for ministry. Janie and I had no idea what God was going to do with New Life Community Church 12 years ago when we said yes, and we started church on a Saturday night, June 22nd, 2002, and two weeks from today, you're going to hear stories of people that God has rocked their world this year, 2014, and God used New Life Community Church to do it. The whole service that day is stories of New Life. And, and so we didn't know back then the ups and downs, and it's probably good we didn't. We didn't know the stones that were going to be cast. And when you invite Christ into your life, and when you obey Christ, and you invite people to this church, you invite them to to, uh, Christmas services, you never know what, what God's going to do with your obedience. When you feel prompted to serve in our church somewhere, you go back and you serve in, 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 uh, in really obscurity. And God begins to move your heart and you get to be part of, you never know which kid is going to get it and, and become a Christ follower and be baptized and go out and change the world. We may have the next Billy Graham back there and you get to be a part of it. I remember when I preached my parents' funeral and my sister's funeral a little over a year ago, my senior Sunday school teacher was there. Every time I've gone back to First Baptist Borger, he's been there. And he came up just tears in his eyes because he's like, man, I sure didn't pick you to be the dude who would preach. (laughs) And he just hugged me and he said, I'm so proud of you. And I thanked this guy for being my Sunday school teacher because I was a punk. I said, I had my butt beat. Really, you know what? I won't get into that. 
Lack of butt whipping. That was my problem. Lack of butt whipping. Now, Joseph didn't know all the details, but he has a choice to make. And, and there's one little, one little verse that wraps this whole thing up. Is he going to do what God wants? He's going to do what people want. We see his decision in verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord, did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. And through this simple act of obedience, he was planning to divorce her. The angel says, don't divorce her, marry her. He says, okay. And the greatest act of God, where God became human, gave up the glory of heaven, put on skin, and came to live as one of us. Why did God come as a baby? Because nobody's afraid of a baby. He didn't want to talk to cows, so he didn't come as a cow. He came as a human because he wanted to show us how to get back to God. Now, you have no idea what, is going to, what God's going to set into motion with one act of obedience. And here's my prayer for you today. Is that the same thing that the scripture says about Joseph can be said about you. And Danny did what the Lord asked him to do. And Aaron did what the Lord asked him to do. And Miss Debbie did what the Lord asked her to do. And destinies are going to be changed because somebody out here is going to obey. Would you bow your heads? It never gets old to me watching lives change. Yeah, sometimes people fall back into old patterns of sin and and it hurts and, and we just keep on doing what's right and we just keep on trusting God because their obedience is not up to me. My obedience is what God will hold me accountable for. So I'm just curious right now before we pray and, and for finish up this service, would any of you admit that you've been obsessed with what people think about you? You don't have to look up, just raise your hand. There's a lot of us. And when you're obsessed with what people think, it's real hard to be obedient to God. Father, you saw those hands. Would you reveal yourself to everyone who raised their hand? And would you change their future and their family's future and their friend's future because they want to be obedient to you? Now, some of you, you've not been obedient in small things. And, and you know that, that God's asked you to do small things. You've turned your back. Would you raise your hand if you're one of those people? God's asked me to do some things that I've just said no to. Anybody willing to admit that? That's a lot of us. Father, we're deceived whenever we say no to you. We think we have a better plan. We think that um, you don't know what is best for our lives. And we just need to admit that, God. And we need to be obedient in small things because you're not going to give us big things until we're obedient in small things. So God, whatever, whatever you tell these people today, I pray that they would be obedient today. And Father, would you change new life and would you change single moms' lives? Would you change people who are lost and going to hell? Would you change their destiny through New Life Community Church and through an obedient people to you? We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We have three baskets at the back. One is our joy basket. 
That's how we give, or you can give online. You got a little piece of paper for me? Uh, so you can give back there, or you can give online, nlccp.com. Um, we have another basket. It's a registration card basket. We always ask you to write something down. You put your registration cards there, and uh, we ask you to put prayer concerns on the back. We ask you to write some things down. Those of you who said, I've been obsessed with what people think, you just write that on the back. I've been obsessed. God knows that. I'm the only one that sees that. If you want to be obedient in small things, you write. I want to be obedient in small things. If you've got answers to prayer concerns, write those on there because I love to read that stuff. It encourages me. And then we have a third basket, which is our bagel basket. Say what? Okay, so I'm making sure that I see the the total. Okay, gotcha. All right. That basket, everything that goes in there goes to purchase this land. Y'all are wondering, aren't you? Now, we actually, I had some friends say, let's pass the, 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 the plate and let's see if we get enough. And if we don't get enough, we got to pass it again. And we just keep going until we get enough. Well, today we got $17,110. Now, is that, does that include bagel? The, I mean, the online giving? That includes online giving. Okay. So I already know of one check that is in the mail for $1,000. So we can put 18110 and And the reason we did this two weeks before closing is because God's going to move in some of your hearts and we need another $1,900. <laughs> Anybody excited about what God's doing in your life? Do not keep it a secret. You've got to share. Stand up, hug three people, tell them that God is awesome, and you're dismissed. <laughs>